You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life, presented by Spartan Combat. Let's go. I got to be around Dake uh, for my first time. Got to ask him some questions and work on a couple of positions with him. And he's different, man. I mean, he's perfect. He Royce Alger gave this now. I'm, I'm stealing this from Royce, but Royce called uh, Kyle Dake a sailboat. He said, look at him. The guy's a sailboat. He's perfect. Everything's perfect. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. It's Wrestling Changed My Life, presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Welcome back to the show, folks. It's a beautiful Tuesday here in Chicago, Illinois. And our guest today is Chael Sonnen, UFC legend, co-host of ESPN podcast, Ariel and the Bad Guy. He's also an analyst for ESPN, and before that, a legendary UFC fighter where he battled the likes of John Jones and Anderson Silva, among many others. And before all that, he was an All-American wrestler at the University of Oregon. Go Ducks! On this episode, Chael and I break down the haps and the craps from all the things that have been happening this spring and summer in the wrestling world. So we're going to give you our predictions for the Olympic Games, We're going to recap Team USA wrestling in Poland, the Olympic training camp in Atlanta, Georgia. Chael was there. We also talk about the Imar and JB bout. And along the way, Chael shares a few stories about Kale Sanderson's early freestyle years, most notably wrestling Les Gutches and Mike Van Arsdale at the 2000 Olympic trials. Stories you're not going to want to miss. And best of all, folks, we announce our upcoming audio documentary that will air this summer. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Hope you enjoy it. Fan of the Week goes to one of our most recent... That was me dropping my phone. iTunes reviews, so Apple reviews. This one's from D Zelensky 20 The subject is Best Podcast About Wrestlers. The review's awesome. I really can't thank you enough for leaving this review. And more importantly, folks, if you enjoy this show please consider leaving a review. It helps bubble up this podcast to other wrestling fans who are craving these stories. As always, Wrestling Changed My Life is proudly presented by the folks at Spartan Combat. If you enjoy this show, please consider using Spartan Combat for your next custom team apparel order. Go to Spartan Combat now to shop custom gear. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the bad guy, Chael Sonnen. Peace! My man. Hey, what's up? Why do you see me? All right. Loud and clear. Good to talk I to like you again. Hair, by the way. Huh? I like the hair. You're growing it a little bit. Looks nice. Growing it a little bit. Just got back from Hawaii. Got a little Hawaiian tan. It's good for this Illinois skin. Absolutely. Well, welcome <laughs> back. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm ready to run through some current events. If you are, Chael, we got a lot to talk about. Let's do it. On the bright side of things, did you ever expect Stanford to bring back wrestling? No, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I believed them. Uh, it sounded early on like they were not holding the program hostage. It's, you know, because we've seen that before. That happened at Arizona State. Art, they, they, hey, wrestling's done. Art Matori comes in with $8 million. Wrestling's back. Not a great precedence. And I didn't think Stanford was doing that. I thought Stanford was sincere and that they were just getting rid of those sports. I also feel I know why. I feel as though the whole college admission scandals runs way deeper. Stanford knows it, and they tried to wipe everything off the board. Stanford's just wrong. We know that they're dirty. 
We know full well that you it, it was pay to play to let people in. We just don't care. That's the part that Stanford's wrong about. Whatever it is, they're, they're sweating that they're trying to cover up and they were going to cut all of these sports. We all already know there is no repercussions. That's the part that they got wrong. Yeah, we're sure. Plenty of people pay to get their kids in. So what? Yeah, that, that documentary that you're referring to is crazy and how deep it runs and just how much money was sloshed around. So you think there might be some involvement there with cutting all these other sports to cover I think I think 100% this is where they came from. They, they saw, they know who this touches, they didn't get caught yet, and they're just going to go wipe the books. That's my, that's my own opinion. I'm speculating, but I'm speculating based on very good evidence. And I, I only suggest for you, they're wrong. When and if that comes out, this is not going to be this, this huge embarrassment. It, it's not. We get that it happened. We're well aware that not every single case came to light. We're well aware that it was more cases, and we're well aware that you're trying to stop it from happening in the future. We're good here. Don't need to cut all of these programs. Don't need to worry about the cover-up, guys. We know that it happened. We know more happened. Let it go. This isn't going to be a PR mess. It's, it's already happened. It's now yeah. working itself out. It's crazy that that guy, the AD, is leading or was leading the job, the search for the new head coach. You know, I, I didn't know if a lot of like good candidates would go there because it was such a messy thing and it was so ugly how they did it. But God, could you could you ever imagine a world where Rob Cole leaves Cornell and goes to Stanford? No, I was fascinated by that. And, you know, I was able to talk to Gabe Dean and Gabe Dean said why the Dean Boyd's left had to do with the uh, you know required uh, vaccines. I don't have any idea that that's also what drove Cole out of there. But I mean, there's a couple of things. First off, Rob Cole leaving that program that he did such a great job with Rob Cole coming out West, but also Stanford wanting somebody Rob Cole's age to take over. That's just traditionally not how it's done. They want a guy that's got 20 years and he's going to stick around. He's going to get four or five cycles. I think everyone won. I think it was a great hire, but to your point, did it surprise me? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And I watched that interview you did with Gabe. That is horrifying some of the things they're putting in place out there with picking people up in white vans, locking them in hotels. I mean, I don't know how pervasive that is across the Ivies, but I can't think that Stanford's too far off the mark when it comes to lunatic COVID policies like that. So I wonder what all went into it, you know, outside of the weather. Yeah, no, I'm very curious too. And um, I was with Mike Gray three days before. If he knew anything, he sure play, had a poker hand. I mean, he, he didn't show anything on his face. There was nothing within his tone. And, and when that announcement came, and I had my own fingers crossed for Troy Steiner, you know, because Fresno mm -hmm. dropped the program. And I thought maybe Troy would be available. To have somebody as good as Troy Steiner just floating around, I think is a miss by wrestling. We, we need to put him uh, to use somewhere. It's going to be a big mistake. And I kind of, that kind of what I thought just all on my own, but I kind of, you know, Troy Steiner is going to be one of the top guys here. I never, uh, I never saw the Rob Cole thing coming and I don't know that they opened it. I don't know that they interviewed people. It, it, it appears that they identified coach Cole went to him, made the deal off you go. I mean, this is the, he may not have a national title, but to me, this is the equivalent of a Nick Saban caliber guy going and running a program from infancy. Now they're starting at the, at the bare bottom I don't know if Real Woods is staying or Shane Griffin's staying, but it is exciting nonetheless that there's another awesome storyline in wrestling. And this has ramifications for the assistant coach. Who's it going to be? I've heard Nolf tossed around. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many candidates. One thing I heard though, from a couple newly minted head coaches is that because of the increase in RTC salary, it's super tough to get a college coach to commit anymore because these guys are making so much wrestling than they did 15 years ago. Sure. I didn't know. I didn't hear that rumor on Nolf that, that I would be excited though. I, I would love if Nolf came out this way. I'd love if Nolf got the opportunity to coach somewhere that, that, that would be an interesting hire. Do you, are you hearing anything in terms of potential assistance at Stanford? No, no, this thing's been radio silent. I, I mean, I really knew nothing. Like I said, I was standing with Mike Gray and he didn't, he didn't allude to anything, at least that I picked up on. And that was, that was three days before this announcement came out. So no, I, I you know, Rob Cole's going to figure it out. The, the guy is just a good coach. There's no way around it. He's a success. He's a successful organizer. He's a successful leader. Um, to bring Nolf in with no experience. I don't know what their relationship is. Uh, maybe a little bit of a gamble there, but that's uh, Rob Cole's known to do that. And then he's known to groom guys. I mean, you can even look at the time that, you know, he mentored Damian Hahn and now Damian goes out and running his own program and doing a great job. So I think it's a more of an opportunity for these, these younger coaches to be around Rob Cole. It really looks like he grooms them well, mm -hmm. um, but I am excited for the way uh, wrestling is going to go. And don't forget, that's my conference. You know, I, I University of Oregon, but we had the Pac-10. I think they call it the Pac-12 now, and the whole thing's falling apart. I mean, it's, it's kind of getting into a mess. So th this is a major boost, at least for us out here, that uh, that Stanford is saved. Huge, really big. And 
I think about the opening at Illinois right now and how perfect IMR would be for that job, but you guys have stolen him away at Oregon state. And so that that's another big, you know, a lot of big coaching names on the West coast right now, which we all know it used to be a lot more with the Oregon's and the, in the Washington's over the years, but awesome to see coach Cole out there. Also curious to see who, uh, who Mike Gray brings in. I mean, geez, Gabe Dean's out. I get it. If you'd have told me in April when I was filming the Cornell guys at the trials, would Gabe Dean and Rob Cole not be coaching at Cornell come June? I would have said you're out of your freaking mind. That is the most lock solid group of coaches there are. But now I got to think Gray moves up Kyle Dake and, you know, curious to see who he brings in as well. Sure. Yeah. Is that the move that Gray's going to do? Will Dake officially go on I would, the staff? I would think so. I mean, he's from that area. His folks live out there. He lives out there. I do not see him going to California uh, to train under like the Cardinal RTC or whatever that's going to sure. be. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I got to be around Dake uh, for my first time. Got to ask him some questions and work on a couple of positions with him. And he's different, man. I mean, he's perfect. He, <laughs> Royce Alger gave this. Now I'm, I'm stealing this from Royce, but Royce called uh, Kyle Dake a sailboat. He said, look at him. The guy's a sailboat. He's perfect. Everything's perfect. Every hair on his head, the way his clothing fit, everything is designed to score points in a wrestling atmosphere. And he's right to what the way Kyle warms up was interesting to me. The way that he drills is a thing of beauty. I mean, I watched him go live. I could name names, buddy. I want, I could name names. They couldn't, they, they were light years from getting a point. I'm talking about one point in an hour workout. <laughs> Dake lowered himself. Dake, Dake wasn't going full bore by any means. And he still had a hundred to nothing up on the board. And that guy is so good. He's winning the gold medal. He is winning the gold medal. And he is. And the crazy thing is that I was looking at the seeds today. Chimizo seeded one. Somehow he's weaseled his way into a number one seed by, you know, he does a lot of forfeiting. I do like him, but I just, I hate how he doesn't wrestle guys when he's at the tournaments. Sidikoff sure. is the three seed, I think. So they could be randomly drawn in um, wherever it's going to be. And God, I just, I just cannot wait to see where he falls in that bracket. Sure. But that's happened before. Who was it when David Taylor, the first year he won, but he's got yeah. Yastani, the very first match. He's got to take out the Olympic champion. I mean, we have seen these kinds of things. I can't remember. It was 2008, but the 2004 gold medalist, uh, two, there was two of them. One of them had changed weight classes. So in 2008, when they started doing the blind draw, the two defending Olympic champions, one from that weight and the one that moved up, they met in the very first round. So the Cuban versus uh, the Russian it was one of those things, you know, that disappoints me. There's, there's got to be a better way to do it. I'm, we're even seeing stuff. We just did this uh, this last weekend over in Poland, but where the U.S. is training, they're getting on an airplane, they're flying over, and in the very first round, we have to wrestle <laughs> each other and get eliminated. And that happens all the time, not just because this is, you know, 38 days before the Olympics, but all the time. We go to the expense, and I'm sure other countries do too, of flying to some foreign land for a tournament, running into each other in the first round, and one guy's out. There's got to be a better way to do that. I don't know how you separate them, but I know I could figure out in five minutes if I had the authority. Yeah, and, and especially considering even if they're not representing USA, you got guys like Amin from Michigan who are rest, is wrestling Zahid uh, Michik, you know, from Serbia, who's really you know a U.S. guy. So. Even if it's not USA and they're single, there's a lot of guys right now representing other countries. And if you look at the results of Poland, U.S. cleaned house and most of the weights. I mean, Michik won. Uh, Yanni looked fantastic. Uh, Pantaleo, massive win over Haji. I did not see that coming. Yeah. Oh, Pantaleo's the, the the real thing. I mean, if he's yeah. not on the he's got like a, a matchup problem. We were talking about Nolf a minute ago. He's got a, a matchup problem with that super guys that can weaponize pace. But I feel like Pantelio's figuring that out too. I feel like he's seen that that was a little bit of a problem. I feel like that's getting better. He's getting closer. No, he's he's a, he's a threat on the world level. He's more he's, of a threat to, to, on a world level than he is NCAA. Hundred percent. And he's you know he avenged the loss to James Green, which. You know, both of those guys are in a weight where they're they're tweeners, and I like that they just kind of stay put at that seventy. And I don't think Pantaleo even made the cut to uh, to sixty five at the Olympic trials. But yeah, for him to avenge that loss, he's he's looking like the future for the U.S. at seventy kgs moving forward. Sure, no, I, f I fully agree with you. And we're talking, you and I. It sounds like we both think that Dake's going to win this thing. I'll tell you another yeah. guy that's going to win the Olympics, even on accident, is going to be Gable. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. He manhandled people at the Pan Ams. The reason I say on accident is his second match with Gwiz at the trials. There is a moment in that match where he looks up at the scoreboard. He sees the clock. 
There's one minute left. He's ahead by six. He sees the clock. And when he comes back, he is now changed. It's very clear that he is just going to run this clock out and go make his Olympic team. On accident, he scored four more points and got a technical <laughs> He wasn't even trying to. You know, he has gotten so big and massive. And I talked to Gwiz about that. I said, hey, you know, by the way, what are you feeling? You know, you guys, you did this. The, the best of three, Gwiz you know, got the jump on him. And now here we are a year later, best of three. But he's he's got more points. And Gwiz said, you know, he's the same wrestler and it's the same attacks. He says, but he is so physically strong in comparison to what he was. He said he put on 20 pounds, but he put on 20 pounds of muscle. And then Gwiz said, he said, I'm going to steal it. I see how effective it is. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to completely dedicate myself. I'm going to put on 20 pounds of muscle. I'm going to be a different guy a year from now, which I thought was very inspiring, very inspiring attitude, you know, by our, our, our two-time bronze medalist who didn't get what he wanted when he wanted it. But what do you do? You give up or you learn. He chose to learn respect. And from the looks of things, if Gable wins this thing in August, it's August, he'll probably never wrestle again. And Gwiz will be right back on top. Yep. No, I feel that same thing. I, I think there is some truth to some of these rumors of, uh, of you know, the, the big time wrestling and whatnot with Gable. I, I think that if we're Gable fans and wrestling fans, we need to enjoy what we get right now. I don't I'm, I'm with you on that, Ryan. I don't I don't think we're guaranteed that he gets in a single again. No. And man, the way he's wrestling is just so fun. Uh, you know, a lot of folks outside the U.S., would, would point to the two uh, the two stalwarts at the heavyweight division who have been dominating it for the past you know 10 12 years or so but I think Gable if you watch him at the Pan Ams now I know Cuba wasn't there but he was throwing guys around so were you at the Pan Ams is that what practice you're watching are you referring to no I didn't get to go I went to the they did a camp it was an Olympic camp but they flew right from this it was in Alpharetta Georgia we flew right from Georgia or they did rather to uh, Guatemala for the yeah. Pan American Championship so. It was called Olympic camp, but, you know, maybe you'd want to look at it as Pan Am camp. But, I mean, the way the U.S. cleaned up, it was shocking. You know, th this girls team that we've got, I feel like they're not getting enough credit. And um, they could, could, but they could win golds in every single weight class. That is not outside of, uh, of the realm. And I don't think there's ever a time when that's been true. There's been times where we've said it because you say those things. It's true now. They could win every single gold. Yeah, the their women's team is awesome. Tamara, you got Adeline Gray, easily could be repeat champs, uh, repeat from the world before. Sarah Hildebrandt is one of the funnest people to watch in any division, guy, girl, freestyle, Greco, and, and she just goes so hard. So it was awesome watching the ladies at the trials. And, yeah, I mean, to your point, Olympics is going to be great as well. I'm sure Japan will bring the heat. On, can I tell you a little about this camp? Because I feel yeah, like what tell I'm me trying about to it. Hear, here's what I'm trying to do, and I feel like I haven't succeeded. I'm trying to make you extremely jealous that I got to see this. And you did not <laughs> I am, so I what, am now. That's what I wanted from you because the only time I can relate in my life to the feeling I had as being at this camp is when I was nine years old and I got to go to Disneyland. But that was exactly what this was, okay, Ryan. Being an NCAA champion did not guarantee you a point in that room. The worst wrestler in that room is currently number three. Your, your current national team, or you were not invited to this. So I was looking for two things. I was looking to see if Cox and Schneider worked out. And I can tell you, not only did they not, they did not say so much as say hello. And I was looking to see if Dake and Burroughs worked out. Not only did they not, they did not even say hello. So you had that tension. You had a little bit of this drama, but it, it's competitive. And so then you have... Cox, who's there, he did every single workout. There's six workouts, two Greco, two women, two freestyle. He changed his shirt in between, and that was it. And he was on the mat, just beast mode. But to watch Jaden Cox go live against, uh, you know, the current Olympian in Greco, watching him wrestle. Now, that's that's interesting, right? If I would have had a camera and I could show you what I saw, that that that's fascinating. There's no way you can see that. And Cox just isn't going to go wrestle Greco, but I got to see it. And I, I thought it was really it was really something. I, Cox won a match with Gable. Um, I was know, just going to ask you, did Steve Sitton and Jaden Cox wrestle? They Yes, they did. And it, it went the way you would think, which, you know, everybody's got a Gable problem, right? If a brick falls on your head or you have to go <laughs> wrestle Gable, either way, you're screwed. It's it's one of those things. He he is just the chosen guy right now. It's, it, it's almost like he has a star shining on him. 
Yeah. But he's going to be, he'll beat the, he'll beat the Georgian. He'll beat the Belarusian. He's going to beat the Turk. He's going to beat them all. Even if he doesn't try, Gwiz knows those guys. Gwiz has wrestled all those guys competitively. Mm-hmm. And Gwiz will tell you, this guy's winning the gold medal. And he's right. Man. What about J.O.? Did he make an appearance? He was there. So uh, something was bothering him. And I want to say it was his knee. Now he was there. He was in the room and he was offering more uh, of a coaching uh, position as opposed to uh, being an athlete. I didn't see him get on the mat with shoes on uh, and break a sweat, but he did get on the mat and he was actually, he worked out with Gwiz. Gwiz had some, some uh, hand fighting and some head positioning questions that he wanted to emulate. He, he wanted uh, J.O. specifically. And so I watched J.O. put Gwiz through, through a workout. Pretty cool. Wow. I was surprised to see that he is continuing the career and not going into the coaching ranks. Um, I thought this might be his last chance, but he gave it a hell of an effort at the last chance qualifier over there. He certainly did. And, you know, how bad do you want to go through that ringer again? I mean, how bad do you want to have to go back? There's nothing more competitive than our trials. In many ways, it's more competitive than anything else because you've got to beat the guys that you got to be around. Everybody knows who they are. They're, They're highly publicized within our own community. And yeah, he's electing to go right back into the trials to spit out the other side and be able to go to the world championships at the end of the year. I think it's, it's admirable. I mean, the same thing goes for Jordan Burroughs. We all know what a stud he is, but some of that's physical, man. If you're physically better than everybody else, this is a mental exercise that we're seeing from Burroughs right now. And he's passing the test. He's already passed it. He was at this camp. He's not the guy. He's the biggest star, but he's not the guy. He showed up anyway. He, he reset his goals. He's going up. I think 79 is the, the, the weight class to make that world team and win that world championship. I mean, to watch him pass this test, uh, this is what legends are made of. And, and Burroughs was well on his way to being a legend, but there was always the discussion. Well, is it Cale Sanderson? Is it John Smith? You know, who really is the best? Neither of them, Cale or John, got put in this situation situation and uh, it's very unique to jordan and if jordan passes this and does make another team let alone bring home another medal let alone a gold medal i'm not sure that argument is going to go to smith every single time i think there's going to be a lot of people that step up and say this is the guy just from getting over the the humiliate not even humiliation but to him it had to be humiliating not you know getting a takedown against Dake, not really being in the matches and for him to come back so soon is like god you think maybe uh Maybe a year off, he comes back when he feels the itch. He's going right back into it. Unfortunately, the IMR match is off. I don't know if you saw that. No, yes. No, why? IMR couldn't make weight. Who? IMR pulled out because he couldn't make weight, which he's going up a weight. So how the hell do you not make it? Oh, ah, hey, that would have been a great payday too. And, you know, I'm an IMR guy because now he's an Oregon State. I haven't met IMR, but I'm still an IMR guy because he, he's coaching right up the road for me. Oh, I'm devastated by that. And uh, no room there. No, hey, Jordan, he's going to be two kilos up. Can we do it? There was no, no conversation, just scratched. I just saw, I was looking at my phone in between meetings. I saw on Instagram, it was off. I went to Flow. It just said that IMR informed the team that he couldn't make the weight and that the match was being canceled. So it's like, Hey man, I mean, I, I kind of side with JB on this one. I mean, you're going up a weight. I don't know how you don't make it, but Hey, I'm ours. He's the man we will side with him. And, and maybe there's something else going on, but for right now that match is off. Okay. Is flow trying to find someone else? So like, no. can we still, ex- Oh, it's just done. Oh. I think it's done. That's devastating news. I was so looking forward to that. You want to know a match that I want to see. I want to see Jordan Burroughs versus Mark Hall. And I'm told that they spent plenty of time in the practice room, and I'm, I'm told maybe it's not the most fun. I need to see that. If somebody can kick Mark Hall's ass, I have to see it. I can't just hear it. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that one. I'm you, if somebody can whip Mark Hall, I've never seen that. I've been following him since he's 15 years old. So that's a match that I want to see. Yeah. Now the only match we have to look forward to this week is Nashon, Jaden Ironman. They slipped that in on us. I don't know if you saw that. Okay. I'll that's- take it. Yeah, I'll take it. It's a solid bout. But, I mean, to see Burroughs back in action against the guy who beat him would have been fantastic. Hey, give me the scoop on uh, uh, Derringer. Did Derringer retire? He's back. Now, he's training. Had some. He had a couple of ACL injuries, maybe just just the one, but I know he had a few injuries. And he was more in, like, a coaching role at the Cliff Keen Club, but now he's back training again. Oh, he is. Okay, good, good. Because he, he should be. He, yeah. He, 
Long's on the mat. He's got uh, plenty of, uh, more good minutes. And I like this new weight class for him, quite frankly. I mean, it takes a little bit of time to adjust to, but I'm very happy to hear that. That's good news. A lot of people thought he had a shot at beating Dake when they did that special wrestle off in Texas. I mean, that's how high he was before he you know, had this surgery. Well, he whipped everybody all over the world. I and mean, he was taking world medalists and getting them out of there. He was beating them by 10 points. So, yes, I, I, I remember. We forget how good Dake is. I mean, tr truly, we do. You know, we I mean, forget. you got to be reminded of that. But that's a, that, that's a rare talent right there. Think about a guy who's so good that there's maybe two guys in the world that push him to that extra level. Not a workout's going to do it. I mean, those matches with JB at the trials, they did mentally, but physically, he didn't seem like he was pushed too far out of his comfort zone in many minutes of that match. Sure. When you talk about Shimizo is going to be the number one seed of the Olympic Games, the single worst I have ever seen Kyle Dake wrestle. I've seen Dake lose before, but he wrestled well. He wrestled terrible against Shimizo, the number one seed in the Olympics, and he still beat him. And yeah. it was never really all that nerve wracking. He just didn't wrestle that well. He got a little tired. Kyle Dake never gets tired. He got a little bit tired. He slowed down a little bit. He was managing his energy. I mean, there's a few things that I could point to why I say that he did not wrestle well. And he still... He still beat the guy that you're telling me seated number one for the Olympics, man. This Kyle Dake is something else. The Sidikoff match is the one that's going to be just all eyes. Every every moment of the match is going to be there. I mean, Burroughs had Sidikoff dead to rights two years in a row, and that guy just has the heart of a champion and just refuses to be beat. So Sidikoff to me is the, despite the seating, has got to be the not the favorite, but I mean, he's the I he's the guy to take out. I agree with you. And then there's there's another guy, and if I could think of his country, it would help my story. Well, he won. He beat uh, Chimizo, and then he went on to win the Europeans. You know this guy that just came out of nowhere and he set the world on fire? Where is he from? Uzbekistan? He's also from Russia, if I'm thinking of Zamalov. And Sidikov had to beat him at the trials to be on Team Russia. Okay. That's who I'm thinking of. Um, okay. Because well, he, he beat Chimizo at the Europeans. Oh, that is the same guy. See, I thought he was Uzbek. Okay, so so he won't be there then if Sitikov is. We got to go back and check that because yeah, I, I, I'm not sure it is the Russian. I, I think the, the Uzbek, but this guy came out of nowhere. He was ranked like number 24 last year, and now he's right up there. As I said, he won the Europeans and beat Chimiza to do it. But very athletic, looked real good, um, suspiciously good. It, very suspicious how much he's <laughs> last year to this year you know he kind of looks the part like maybe somebody threw an arm around him but uh <laughs> i only because there's sleepers in the olympics all the time i mean yeah. even every olympic trials somebody uh, emerges I, I remember way back in 2000 when uh this this freshman named garrett Lowney makes the olympic team and then ends up winning a medal or uh of course you remember jake deitcher who was also like a 19 or 20 year old out of nowhere this year it, it happened it was john 86 kilogram greco-roman yeah. And I would say Stanislawski if I knew how to say his last name. It's very complicated, but you don't want to talk about it. Nobody thought he was going to do that. That was supposed to be Alon, the Cuban that, uh, you know, we got over here and got a passport for. He was supposed to win it, and John came in and had, had other plans. How about Jordan Oliver? No one had Jordan Oliver making that team. I had Yanni and Zane in the finals, you know, and there was a toss-up. McKenna's had some good matches, but J.O., again, throws a wrench in that weight. I mean, in 2016, it was Frank Molinaro. He did the same thing. But sure. the ultimate um, the ultimate surprise that I can remember, and I'm doing a, a documentary on him right now, Brandon Slate entered the Olympic trials as the seventh seed and before the summer was done had knocked off the great Satyev at the Olympics. I mean, I can't think of a bigger surprise than that. I mean, that was right during your era. I love that you're doing that. Yes. And thank you for saying that. I, I'm more tied to coach Slay's career than he, he would think he go, how's Chael tied to my career? Well, I was because I was two years younger than him and everything I wanted to do, he was doing. So I was out, you know, I'm in Fargo trying to win Fargo. Well, I'm out. He's in the finals. So I'm there watching NCAAs. I'm out. I'm in the crowd. I'm watching him go out there and do these things. So I followed his career very closely. And to put a perspective for you, you talk about coming by having to beat Satyab and do these things. But the year before, which was 1999, Slay was sixth. He had lost uh, in the opening round to um, Dolph, who he went on and had to beat to make the team. But he lost to Dolph. He came back through. He wrestled for fifth. He lost that. And I can't remember who, but he was, he was sixth. And the trials were right up here uh, in Spokane. Uh, Washington. So I drove up and watched him, but I just share that with you because I mean, he went from six in the country to number one in the world. And he basically did it with a hell of a work ethic and a great attitude. Yeah. You know, and he had, 
he had battled Joe Williams. You know, he was 0-4 against Joe. And yeah, he actually lost to Joe in the championship round in 99 and then Dolph in the Wrestlebacks. And then, you know, fast forward 12 months at the Olympic trials in 2000, everyone thinks that Joe is going to come back through the, the mini tournament because Slay beat him for the first time at the Open in April, really dominated Joe like no one had seen before. And then at the trials in Texas, Brian Dolph, Slay's coach, takes out Joe Williams, puts him down a parterre and turns him three times. And then Slay has to beat his college coach and a best of two to make best of three to make the team. It's like one of the craziest stories you could ever imagine. That's exactly how it happened. And that weight class was so loaded. I mean, Sean, I thought Sean Bourmet might come through it. I was cheering for Sean Bourmet. I wanted him to meet up with Slay in the finals. Um, Sean ended up losing to Joe and then it, whatever happened. I, I only bring that to you because I mean, this thing was so deep that weight class year in and year out. I listened to the piece that you did with Pat Smith and, and Pat, didn't want to use as an excuse but boy he's telling the truth man marcus molokai was the that's who you hoped to draw if you got to the u.s open and you could get molokai you got a good draw <laughs> crazy at that time I mean, he was number eight two four-time finalist two-time ncaa champion he finished eighth in that weight class rob cole was floating around that weight class sean Bourmet was floating around that weight class but uh, saint john was a world team member and this is all and don't forget dave schultz he got shot dave schultz would have been there for yeah. goodness know what kenny monday is gonna do kenny monday will pop in anytime i mean it was just one of those things when pat was talking about yeah i didn't make a whole bunch of teams but look at what i had to go through man he's telling the truth yeah that was murderer's row for and years 163 pounds is what it was back then two more marinetti who was the 97 world team member took out lincoln and then you have casey cunningham was in the mix as well so it's like geez louise i mean so i mean we've seen a, some crazy things at the trials and certainly the olympics let me get let me get your take on this before we get back to uh, looking ahead to, to Tokyo. What do you think was a bigger upset, Rulon over Karelin or Slay over Satiev? Rulon over Karelin had more meaning. It, it was it was it was just significant. There, there there was just a significance there to stopping Karelin. Karelin was the flag bearer. He was the most respected athlete amongst the athletes, and within this country. Um, we don't favor Greco-Roman. We have Greco-Roman. We don't fa I did. I, I love Greco, but I also understand that it's not, it's not the feature sport. That's not true abroad. Th that's not true. There's many Eastern Bloc countries where the same way a lot of people here will call Greco-Roman half-man wrestling. You know, we have our little insults. They will insult the freestyle wrestlers. You know, in some <laughs> better athletes, the better, more superior athletes go into Greco-Roman. I only bring that to you because worldwide, the answer is Rulon beating Corella. Nationally, uh, there's probably a conversation. Worldwide, the significance and the meaning behind that match. And don't forget, Corellan had done everything except lose. So in many ways, you know, he went out, but but now he's done everything. He, he's done it all. He passed the torch. It, it's the ultimate way to go out. Not to mention, at Fugaze, they give a guy a point. Yeah. Remember, remember the guy? They the clinch, uh, horrible those scumbags that were called <laughs> were, were a group of, of judo guys that would go get drunk in France on wine and then just start writing rules that we all had to follow. They screwed with our sport all the way through 2008. I think right now, this is as close to perfect. I love these rules. I love it. I would like to see, I would like to go back to two day tournaments. I don't mm -hmm. know what rush is. I don't know why we're hurrying through these things. Uh, you know, when I was born, there was 10 weight classes and then it went to eight. You know, now we're all the way down to six. We're cannibalizing ourselves, but we're also, we're, we're losing and they're taking our dates away. What a UWW rule they put in place is that it must be contested within one day. Why? I don't know why we're doing away with weight classes. I don't know why we're trying to rush through these events. What's the big hurry? It's once a year. Let it breathe a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that would help fans. I, mean, I would like to go to some of these events, but I can't justify that with my wife for one day. Yeah. Well, and it's a two day or even if you go back to a three day now i'm taking the whole family we're going to schedule some dinners we're getting a nice hotel i mean it's just it's one of those things that i i want wrestling to see ryan i bring it to your attention because you're the only voice that this sport has right now that people are listening to i want people to hear this we're getting beat they're cannibalizing us they're taking our weight classes away and we're all so happy that they didn't take our whole sport away as they threatened to do that we're not speaking up we need to speak up we need to get back to seven and weight, eight weight classes in a hurry. And also don't take your eye off the ball on the little pencil they're taking to how, uh, you know, the extent of these events. Yeah. Two days down to one. No, we got to push back. We have to push back everywhere, but also on that. 
Well, I just looked at the schedule for the Olympics because I'm going to rent out a bar and do a couple happy hours you know, for my Chicagoans here. You know, Chicago, big wrestling hotbed. And I actually looked, though, and it looks like this year they are doing multiple days uh, for the tournament, which is a good sign. Good. Because, oh, that's a great sign. Yeah. That's a great sign. But, you know, but, but even nationally, you know, we're in such a hurry to get these things yeah. through. And you're asking a lot of the wrestlers. I, I really like, and, and I actually digressed into this, where I was going to go with that as part to how much I do really like these new rules, including, and some people don't like this. They don't like that it's over in six minutes. Hey, if it's tied, we shouldn't do criteria. I disagree from the wrestler's perspective. If you're going to force them to go out there four and five times in one day with the baddest dudes alive, you can't let there be an 11-minute match for one guy or an eight-minute match for one guy. We have to conclude it. I think that it was very, uh, very good the way that UWW saw that, realized it's a tournament, six minutes, everything's equal. We figured out at the end of six minutes. I like it. Some people push back. I like the criteria. That's what I'm not sold on, but I get what you're saying about the amount of matches in a day, especially when it's scratch weight on day two. Could you ever imagine making scratch weight on day two? No. That's what these guys got to do. Freaking insane. And I'll tell you this, though, to your point, I mean, just don't forget, cutting weight is very much an American phenomenon. Like mm -hmm. those other countries, I mean, it's four or five pounds. It's one or two kilos. And I, I only bring that to you because, you know, we do it across the board here. We do it in high school. You spill over to MMA. It's all the Americans that are cutting weight. You, you watch a UFC and some fight got canceled. It's always an American. Americans are the only ones that cut weight. The, the, the other countries, you know, that's a broad stroke. I know people cut weight, but it's it's a phenomenon here. It's a belief here that starts early in the school systems. Those other countries, man, they're, you know, that's just kind of what they weigh. They go wrestle what they weigh. Yeah. I mean, it, with six weight classes, it puts some guys in some really interesting spots. One of which, Jaden Cox, I got to get your take on this. Kind of rewinding Wait. to the trials. What the heck is your take on this whole situation? So I saw him uh, again at that camp and I visited with him to, to quite an extent. And I didn't have the balls to ask him. I wanted to, I was planning to, and I chickened out. And it was just one of the, it just, it didn't feel right. And I mm -hmm. kind of just, it just didn't feel right. Um, I don't know what happened there. I, I, I know, I know what the story is. I know that I think there's something that's being left out. I mean, it's a very fugazi story. And when that story first started, Kevin Jackson had the guys in a van and did not have them there on time. That's the way the story was told. Now that quickly changed because there's a chip due to COVID. When you go to log into the building, that chip registers you. And then we had a register time that Jaden was there, there over an hour early. So that change that they're rushing through traffic in a van and Kevin Jackson's got that changed dramatically. So everybody rolled right along with this change. And then I talked to some guys that were at the weigh-ins and they said, they saw him. They said, they saw him. They said it was cold there. And that where you needed to be, where you, you you lost your weight if you needed to, and then you had to get over to another part of the building, and that they were all doing it, and they noticed he wasn't. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's some part of the story that, that that's been left out. It might be a small detail, but there's just a couple of things here that don't don't totally add up. And because to your point, all we've heard is that KJ had the weigh-in time potentially wrong, and then it's like, all right, well, did he actually have it wrong? And should Jaden be relying? in totality on KJ to get him there. And I actually just interviewed KJ for that, for that Slay uh, Satyev documentary. Definitely did not have the balls to ask him. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I ever would, but uh, it's just one of the biggest bummers just from a selfish stand, selfish fan standpoint, we're never going to get that matchup with the stakes that we would have had that weekend. No, uh, that, that's true. And I'll tell you that most likely to, to, to bring us that match. I don't even know that it's, uh, that it's Mark. I think most likely it's probably going to be Novogratz. And, and I know mm -hmm. that he, whatever it takes, he's told me that whatever he will rent out times square, he will pay big, <laughs> whoever, whoever gets their hand raised. Um, but he was the one that was furious. I mean, he was, he was Cox's biggest advocate going, guys, you can't forgive him. You can't give him some room. Kyle Schneider, you should have demanded, this is Novo talking. You should have demanded that he be allowed in the tournament. It's like, well, even if Kyle, that's just, that's not the way the game is played. I mean, I, I coach kids wrestling and it's not the way the game is played from nine years old on, you got to make weight and you got to make it on time. So I know where Novo's heart was. He is wrong on that argument. I liked the discussion of uh, that Cox was making. Hey, I relied on an employee of USA Wrestling. It just so happens that's my coach and friend, but I relied on information I was given by him. I liked that argument. Here was the problem, though, Ryan, and here's what everybody was uh, seeming to forget. 
let's say that argument, I realize that Cox has withdrawn it, but he was making it for a while there. And there is something to that, right? I mean, you could even put that in the schools. If your teacher tells you something, it turns out it's wrong. The principal brings you, the principal doesn't punish you if you relied on information of somebody above you. It wasn't the world's worst argument. Here's the problem. If we unwind that, if Kyle Schneider lets him in, if USA Wrestling decides to let him in, it's not Cox versus Schneider. People keep trying to say that. It's Cox into the semifinals, of which I believe was Ty Walls. Mm-hmm. So even if we unwind this as best we can, we've had arbitration before. We just had it with Zane and Yanni. We don't still, we don't get the match. We don't get the two out of three that we wanted. It would put Cox into a semifinal against, I believe, Ty Wall. I mean, you see the problem. It was, it was yeah. never the story's all there's always been something missing on this and it was very cool that cox goes you know what i'm out forget the arbitrate forget whatever we're trying to do here i know the rules i didn't make weight that's it tough luck for me that, that was the right thing to do and even if it took him five six seven days to get there he handled it perfectly he did and my heart breaks for him after you know watching him in poland the guy who beat him got beat pretty good in the semis and, and cox pulled out so you got to imagine the swarm of emotions that guy's feeling no one can really imagine or put themselves there. So I, you know, we wish him the best and hope to see him at the trials, uh, you know, for the world championships, which is kind of funny to say the world championships are happening two months after the Olympics. It's kind of weird, but at least we're going to see more wrestling. Sure. I agree with you, man. You're telling me we can get the Olympics and the worlds in one year. I mean, you're, that, that's a dream. That's a dream. So uh, genie pops out of the bottle. I wouldn't even think in my three wishes to ask for that because it's too good to be true. I love that that's happening. By the way, what's the word around this? Like, are we expecting our Olympians to try to make this team? Is this going to be a watered down worlds or is this going to be the real world championship? Like what, what's got, what's the vibe? The, what I'm hearing is you have to medal at the Olympics to get an automatic buy on the world team. So let's say Thomas Gilman goes to the Olympics, makes weight, gets fifth. He still has to wrestle off for the world team. I think it's crap. I think all the Olympians should have an automatic, should have an automatic buy to the world team. But right now I'm hearing that a lot of guys are going to be going. I can't say, I can't speak for the Olympians, but the guys who haven't made it, I've talked to a few who will be making a push. Um, some of the top guys at, at that 145 weight class. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's wonderful. I heard, I heard the same thing. I actually heard that from Cox because Cox said that will determine what weight he goes. He said, if Snyder doesn't meddle and Snyder's fair game, I'm going 97. I will not run from him. I'll do whatever I can to get that showdown. If he does meddle, I'm going to go 92. And so I fully get it. I mean, I, I get it. If you meddle, uh, I get it. I get yeah. it. Um, at the same time, you know, if we just gave all those guys a buy right in, I, I, it would just hurt everybody else. Just True. the rest that's hungry and dying and wants that opportunity so i'm torn on that i don't i don't disagree with you but i i don't agree that i guess maybe i need more time i don't know it's like you go all the way to tokyo you sit through four weeks of olympics you wait to your to your matches you finally wrestle and represent the u.s and then to go to the world championships you got to wrestle off again it just seems like a tall order i don't know if the bet i don't know if like the olympians who didn't medal will go it's a quick turnaround we'll see though last question for you go ahead ask you a question so uh i loved your work with the smith family i thought that was so fast i spread that to more people and then we got the guy was in group chats and we we're all getting you know it was, it was like having a book club because it was open for interpretation there was a few things that were said that you then had to interpret and one of them was when you were talking to coach smith john smith and he weighed in very lightly on leroy's situation as it pertained to the arbitration in 1984 with Randy and as it pertained to Dan Gable's involvement and Smith gave you enough to let us, the audience and and you, the host know there was something there that didn't sit right with him, but he also made it clear. I'm not going to go any further with that. Do you know what he was talking about? What did Dan Gable do in 1984 as it pertained to the arbitration (laughs) negatively affecting Leroy? What happened? They, he, first of all, thank you. Secondly, he felt that because Leroy, his older brother had won the Olympic trials and Gable was the Olympic coach at the, at the arbitration, Gable should have been testifying on Leroy's behalf. But in fact, he was the star witness for Randy Lewis. So they thought it was a huge conflict of interest. And if you're the arbitrator and you don't know who to listen to, you have the most popular wrestling coach in the world, Dan Gable advocating for randy lewis the smiths just felt that hey leroy was the olympian gable was the olympic coach he should have been testifying on leroy's behalf not randy's i get that hard to argue with that i i I, that that, yes that that is hard i i I also understand what dan gable did he's got a guy he backed his guy 
Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like to think if he was sworn in under oath, he just answered the question uh, within his interpretation to the best of his ability. But at the same time, I passed no judgment. I was just hoping you could tell me and you could. And I'm glad I asked you. Thank you for that. It's like Bill Zadek siding with like Yanni and the arbitration over Zane. You wouldn't even imagine it now. But also, I don't think the head coach at USA Wrestling was nearly as permanent back then as it is now. Sure. Bill Zadek is doing such a good job, by the way. God. Such a tremendous leader of men. Which is so solid. If you look at the, the cadets and juniors, we went 20 for 20 at the Pan Ams. It's never happened before. 20 golds out of 20 weight classes. So all the way down, it's stacked. And it's just a lot of fun right now. The uh, I will tell you, though, you talk about Dan Gable. He, he was absent from this camp that I was at, from Olympic camp. But I don't believe he's involved in any of the camps for, for this cycle. But I don't know that that's necessarily true. Because as I look around, I see Terry Steiner. Who do you think trained him? I see Bill Zadick. Who do you think trained him? I see Tom Ryan, uh, you know, uh, uh, Royce Alger's in there. Everywhere I look, Dan Gable was. And, yeah. you know, his influence, even if it's by proxy, it's through one of his guys. To so look at his influence, man, it's something he should be very proud of. He's the man. And the fact that he went on Rogan, uh, I actually just interviewed Gable for this. I'm going to announce it now. The next the next uh, audio documentary is, it's called Slaying Satyev. It's about Slay beating Satyev. But through that, we're going to tell Satyev's story. We've been interviewing a bunch of Russians and we're also telling Slay's story. But, you know, Dan Gable is Joe Williams' coach and Slay had an epic rivalry with Joe Williams. So I was just at Gable's interviewing him and he talks about, you know, the last Olympic team he was involved with was 2000. He and John Smith and Greg Strobel were all three co-head coaches. So that was like the first time him and John Smith had mended fences since that 84 debacle. So it's like the Gable influence is everywhere. Sure. Sure. And, and I'll never get tired of hearing that. I'll never get tired of hearing a rivalry between John himself and Gable himself. I mean, that's <laughs> the biggest yeah. in the sport. You know, I, I get chills just when Tom Brands gets a little close, uh, you know, and they're, they're doing a dual meet in Stillwater and John's got to tell him to get back on his side. I mean, you know, there's something there that I'll never get tired of that. I don't care how old they get. Did you, did you ever see the match of Smith wrestling Tom Brands, by the way, it's on YouTube. At the U S open, he teched him and like, he just kept hitting that low single and brains is just charging into him. And Smith stinked that low single about 10 times in that match. So I, I only have to correct one thing, which is it wasn't a tech because the tech back then was 15 points. Okay. So I believe it was 14 that he beat him by, but if you watch that match, you won't see this. I was there. You got to trust me. I'm telling you the truth. When that got done, brands storms off the mat like and smith sees it and smith looks at him and looks back and goes he think he was going to win (laughs) right now that right that's gold right and smith was not brands wasn't kidding but smith was smith couldn't believe this college when he thought he was going to beat me (laughs) how dare he right i mean you should have seen when john smith it was it was the ultimate alpha statement ever made at the u.s open I tell you the match that Joe C and the Oklahoma state scandal stole from us was John Smith versus Tom brands in 96. That would have been the ultimate match. You sure. know, it didn't happen, but God, it would have been awesome. Sure. Oh, well, there was some stories. Smith was still the guy. Smith was still the guy for sure. According, according to people in the workout rooms, but I hadn't thought of that. Why, why did the Joe C scan? I mean, why, why did the Joe C scan? Well, I, don't, I think Joe, I think John Smith, the one year he coached and wrestled, he said was the worst year of his life. He was shortchanging both ends. And after the 92 Olympics, he said he would never do both at the same time again. And so Joe C gets the program in all this trouble. He gets fired. John Smith has to step in. And he said that his love for Oklahoma State was more than his love for a third gold medal. And so he went full-time coaching at like 27 years old when he could have easily ran through the next quad, in my opinion. Sure. No, I, I agree. They say he could have gone all the way till 2004. Yeah. Say that every quad he'd wait till the Olympian was formed and then he would go challenge him. Let's wrestle. And, and one time that Olympian was McElravey, by the way, which is a weight class up, but it was 2004 Jamil Kelly. John said, he said, I beat every Olympian every time. Let's see where you're at. And uh, he lost that match four to nothing and never did it again. The John Smith challenge was over, but it also was what, if I'm wrong, it was four to one. But it's also what Jamil, and Jamil told me the story. It's, it's what gave Jamil the confidence to go out and get that medal. Yeah, no, I, I've heard that story. And as you were telling me, I'm thinking in 2000, like, man, John versus McAravey or Colat would have been sweet, though. My God. Sure. No, it would have been a, would have been a ton of fun. And uh, 2000, was that? Yes, it was Colat. You've you got it exactly right. Colat and then McAravey, yep. And my heart still breaks for Colat those three years. I don't know how he overcame that and is still in the sport. The screw jobs that happened to him. God. 
What about what they did to Kerry McCoy? He McCoy wins the match. They just flip it in the bracket room and tell <laughs> you go tell your guy. What about that, man? That's robbery. And, and McCoy doesn't have any hard feelings. Well, you know, that's the way the way it went. He you doesn't. You and I are more upset than Kerry and Kerry are. You're exactly right. Especially McCoy. He doesn't have a mean bone in his body about the ordeal. And he's like, oh, I'll have another chance next year. And it's like, shit, next year, Stephen Neal won it. And then 2000, he did get the spot back. But I think Neal was 99. But um, yeah, it's like the, that heavyweight division back then was awesome. But I think that was in either Iran or Kresniarsk when that happened. And it was a crazy event, man. Just changing match results in closed doors. Scary. In a bracket room, man, I don't want to be that guy. And I'm competitive. I don't want to be that. Don't flip a match. Don't tell me I'm wrestling for the gold when I know good and well I just got beat, man. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it really is. should have said the Cubans. Uh, the whole thing's embarrassing. They're the ones that should be ashamed, not McCoy. But McCoy should be upset. He's yeah. not. He's got the right. He's not. Last question for you, Chael. Over under on how many medals... What's your big hurry? What is it you have to do? This I got Saturday? nothing to do, baby. I hear all, I could talk what? wrestling all day. I didn't know what you had going on. I got things I want to do. Are you, you tell me your last question, but maybe I have a few more. All right, go ahead. How many medals are we getting over under how many medals? All in Greco women, everything. I was just thinking men's freestyle, but we should think all in men's freestyle because we are winning gold at 74. By the way, you want to talk about who the great wrestlers are. I'm not sure we've even discussed our our pound for pound great right now might be David Taylor. I do believe that Dake is going to take both those guys out and whoever else comes along the way. I'm not even convinced they're going to score a point on him. I believe David Taylor still has Yazdani's number. I believe David Taylor is going to win it. Uh, Snyder is always a threat, right? You've got Saj alive. You've got problems. Aze, Mohammedin, this Iranian that's off his suspension that was a problem the last time they met. But, you know, Snyder's going to be in there. And you didn't say gold. You just said medals. I'm going to put Snyder down for something. And I believe we get the gold. Uh, you know, I believe we get the gold with Gable. Gilman's done this before. And people are acting like he's the new kid on the block. He's a KG veteran with a, with a world silver, you know, sitting up on his mantle. I don't know why we keep being disrespectful to him. I was just at a camp. He wasn't there. Maybe a little yeah. out of sight of mine. But, um, I, I, you know, I, so you're many, thinking David Taylor's back to pre-ACL David Taylor form. I wasn't sure after watching the trials. He technical followed Miles Martin in 40 seconds, and it was with takedowns. He shot five single legs, got five takedowns in a minute, 56, 40 seconds. I mean, it was insane. His output, that's what that's the problem that Yazdani has. Yazdani's a better wrestler than Taylor. He can't hold up. Mm -hmm. David Taylor weaponized like a pistol to the pace. He get the old Dan Gable, but David Taylor is bringing a pace right now. These guys can't keep up. Yaz Donnie, after their match at the Worlds, couldn't even get to the locker room. They kept a camera on him after he left the mat. He was trying to get to the locker room before he sat down and collapsed. He couldn't make it. He got into mm -hmm. the hallway and he just stopped. And he just slumps down on the wall out of exhaustion. David Taylor will get the it, – it's shocking how many shots David will fire. David's hardest match might have already been done. It might be his match with Gabe Dean. Gabe Dean gave uh, Taylor some real problems. That's what I was – I that one was tight, and there wasn't a lot of high scoring. I think it was maybe like 4-1 uh, or, or whatever, something like that. But, um, yeah, I'm with you on, on Gabe Dean being his toughest match. And the Yazdani bow, I mean, geez, he was losing at the break by a by a good margin and just really turned it on. So – and David Taylor's not seated at the Olympics either. So we could easily see Yasdani Taylor first round because Yasdani is the number one seed. Wow. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, we've seen it before. David, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no round that David Taylor's not going to be ready. No, I mean, and that Mohammedan, I know he got popped for steroids, but man, he's put the, put the hurt on a couple of Americans. Snyder and then in Poland, he wrestled uh, the Ohio State kid, Colin oh. Moore. Yeah. Oh, Nickel had, had problems with him too. I mean, no, this, the, the guy's good, but you know, the guy goes in spurts. Like, I don't think that guy is a threat to, uh, uh to the Russian. Um, I, I just don't, uh, Sajalev, I don't think he's a threat to him. He, he goes in spurts. He, he runs a little bit and when he goes, it's a problem, but even seeing him over there, the, the only match that he wrestled, he came out and wrestled was against Colin Moore. Everyone else was tight, man. They were real tight. He'll do just enough. And then he'll, you know, he kind of close up shop. I think he's beatable. He's a problem. He's a yeah. problem, but he's, I think he's beatable. Well, the good news with Snyder is that Sajulai is the one seed. Snyder's the two seed. So the earliest they'll meet is the finals. So Snyder could easily be in the finals again. Not to say he can't beat Sajulai, but, you know, he hasn't looked tip top shape in 2019. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I'm hopeful that he can definitely make the finals and, and maybe push Sajulayev to the brinky. If he beats Sajulayev twice, all is forgiven. He's the guy again. For sure. And who's uh, who's number three there? Ajabistan? Or did that Ajabistan go back down to 86? Because he moves around. Is that Sharifov? So Kyle in France earlier this year. And I assume the reason he forfeited is because he knows. I got it right here. Is is the Ajabistani Sharifov or is it another guy? Sharivov, Sharifov, something along these lines. It's the guy that beat Kale in 2011. Yeah, that's him. All right. So it's. No, that guy's not seated. So he, yeah, Sharifov could be drawn in randomly as could Mohamedian be drawn in randomly. So Snyder could have either of those guys first round. And Sharifov, if I remember correctly, but he's the one that beat Kyle. He, he upset Schneider in the semis last yeah. time, right? Yeah. Sajulayev, yeah. He's I just, good. I just watched the match with Kale. I, I forget that Kale made that bet with his team in 2011. Crazy. Yep. Kale showed up to the trials. Nobody even, I mean, everybody saw him everybody, to coach. When he showed up and got on the scale, nobody, and no one can keep a secret in this sport except Penn State. They keep mm -hmm. every damn secret. I mean, right. This is like, me off. You cannot, those guys are so good. So he gets on the scale. I mean, he's reader first round. Then he goes right into Pendleton, somebody in the semis, and then he's on the mat with the world silver medalist. He didn't, and if you'll remember, that was the best of periods back then. Two out of three periods. Kale never lost a period. Every match four uh, four minutes long. He was done. On to the next one. Never went all three. Herbert was an animal that year too. I mean, that was that. God, that's crazy that he. Again, I just can't believe he did it. Um, how how competitive were the matches with Kale and Les Gutches back in your era? Okay, so that only one happened. They've only wrestled one time. It was in the semifinals of the U.S. Open, and the year was two thousand. I was in the semifinals of the same weight class, but in Greco-Roman. So I'm trying to watch Les, who was one of my training partners, and I'm trying to beat Quincy Clark. <laughs> Les had not only not lost to an American, he had not been taken down and then fill in the blank. But it was like four years. I want to say 96 is the last time any American even took Les down. Kale took his ass down five times. Ooh. Five times. And don't forget, Les is the world champion. So God. Kale only worth a point back then so kale's got five points less had a couple of tricks and one of them was don't ever snap less into a front headlock that's the position that he preferred to say was his setup for a duck under you front headlock me less is coming underneath and less was an amazing greco wrestler he quit greco he was, a, he was a world silver medalist in the cadets went to the juniors won uh, juniors in greco and never wrestled it again I only tell you that because this guy can duck and come to the body and he needed it. He ducked, he came to the body. He souped him all through the air, got three points, which is enough to win by one. But had he not had that big move, I mean, it looked like it was going to be Sanderson's day. And then so how Sanderson gets to uh, the trials, but he went down in the very first round. Mike Van Arsdale threw him for five. Jeez. I was going to ask you about how the hell did Charles Burton beat Les Gutches and if he was that dominant, I, I never even heard of Charles Burton. Yeah. Oh, Charles Burton was very good. He was third in the NCAA, but he was a problem. He, he had wins over Chad Renner. He had wins over Marcus Molokai. Like on the right day, Burton had beaten everybody somewhere along the way. I also thought he was a dark horse. I did not think he was going to be a threat, even when he won in Dallas. Because don't forget, Burton won the trials, but less because he was the sitting champion didn't show up. So they moved that and it culminated in Fargo. Unless it, you know, the whole reason he missed the trials in the first place, he had, he had three vertebrae in his, his back and neck. They never healed. It was time to wrestle. This was his dream. He went and did it anyway, but he just, he just wasn't himself anymore. Man, that's a guy now amongst the youngsters. I don't know if a lot of people know who Les Gutches is, which is crazy. Um, but that's a, uh, maybe we'll have to talk to him, get him on here. Cause that Les Gutches is the baddest man I've ever met. No shit. I fought Fedor. I fought John Jones. I'm telling you right now, Les Gutches would whip both those guys in the same night. Back, back <laughs> when, when everything felt good. 27-year-old Les Gutches, he whipped John Jones quickly. Jesus. Speaking of UFC, Willie Saylor, who's a, obviously a, a big-time wrestling media personality, he put out a tweet yesterday. I think he was just trolling, saying that Gable could whoop Francis with a little bit of training. I think that's a five-year project. I don't know about a quick training. 
there was a time, there was a time when a wrestler needed three months, he needed six months and he could do it. But you, you are correct. That time ended around 2002, 2003. That's when MMA became a sport in and of itself. And, uh, I mean, Gable would probably be a problem for him, but no, he, he, he couldn't just step over now to, to your point. It's, it's a, five years is a very good guess. Yeah. I don't, I, and I don't think he even believes that, but I, I've seen enough wrestlers lately get knocked cold and it breaks my heart. Uh, you know, with, with some of these quote unquote boxing matches. And then, you know, our man Askren took some tough ones. And every time a wrestler loses, I feel like a little bit of me loses when I watch the UFC. I agree with that. And, you know, as great as Gable is, and he is great, but he's not meaningfully better than say Aaron Pico in all fairness, Mm. wrestling. So I only say that because, you know, you, you put about five years on it. Pico has been in the sport about five years. He's probably close to being able to fight for the title himself, but uh, to, to your point, it, it just takes a little longer now. Yeah. I mean, do you, uh, you see all these guys like Jake Paul, Logan Paul. I mean, I think it's fun. I get excited for him. Not the same that I do for a big fight, but I do watch him. I order the pay-per-view and I get those uh, butterflies before any big card starts. I mean, what do you make of these guys fighting like Floyd Mayweather and Tyron Woodley? Is it just marketing genius or what? I hate it. I mean, I never thought that was going to happen. Even on fight week, I never thought like at some point, you know, uh, at some point somebody pops out and goes, ha ha. And I'm talking about, you know, Logan versus Floyd. I'm like, they're never getting in that ring. I just, I couldn't buy it. I couldn't believe it. And even when I saw it and it was happening, I, there was just a part of it thought, no, at some point we get the swerve at some point we get the big reveal, but these two aren't going to go and and do this. And they did. So um, yeah, it, it is marketing genius. I, you know, I, they, and they're tough. These are tough guys. I don't think they're very good boxers, but they are tough guys. And if they work hard enough and want to be good at boxing, and they're only 26 years old, uh, I still think what, what you said about five years is, is the number. But I, the fact that they're getting in there with the Floyd Mayweather and the, and the Tyron Woodleys of the world, legitimate world champions, I mean, come on. These guys deserve some level of credit, man. They, they got balls. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, just the sheer amount of cash they're pocketing is, puts a lump in your throat when you think about it. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's fun to watch, and you know any type of combat I'm a fan of. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if I mean I could easily see Woodley get knocked out. As much as I hate to say it, he has not looked that good in the UFC as of late. But again, it's a totally different sport, and uh, I'd love to see Woodley knock him out. But you know it could happen. What, what do you think about that one? Well, Woodley's pretty damn good. You know I think that Woodley moves pretty well, and yeah, maybe he slowed down for some of those UFC guys, but. Um... You know, he gets his head out of the way pretty well. He's he's definitely got power. He's got some speed. I don't think he's afraid of Paul. It appears that Paul's not afraid of him either, but I don't think that he's afraid of Paul. He, he went through this experience once already. It was as a corner man, but he's probably seen more than most of us have seen. He's probably seen it from a better vantage point. I think Woodley knows what he's getting into. Look, is it a cash grab? Yeah, sure. But can Woodley beat him? I I, I predict that he will. I, I would be very impressed with Paul if he could, you know, beat a former couple time All-American. I realize he got the jump on Askren, but that, that was heartbreaking to me. And I'm not ready to accept it yet. I think Woodley- <laughs> that was heartbreaking. The, uh, the, uh, the guy from Miami, I can't believe I'm thinking, um, Masvidal, that was heartbreaking. I, I was stopped in my tracks when that happened. Um, there's been a couple moments, you know, Sedgelife, Penning, Snyder, those all right there for me are just gut-wrenching blows and I'm not ready for another one. Ryan, because we got robbed of a match, you know, that fall, then it just represent a conclusion to the worlds that year. We, we got robbed of a match and in a best case scenario, it was going to be one year until we could see it again. Now we we've never seen it again, but even at that moment, 20 seconds in and we go, Oh my God. And now we got to wait 365 days in a best case to ever see this again. I I remember that feeling though, too, you know, it wasn't, losing the match it was it was losing the moments losing two three four five minutes of good wrestling that's that's also what we lost yeah i mean it was like that feeling friday morning at the olympic trials when you're sitting down and you're hearing rumors that cox might not be in there and the same thing i mean god that and that match didn't happen we've already talked about it but i mean that's that's the fun part about this stuff you never know how it's going to happen um you know could we walk away with no medals and i don't think so you know i mean does it kill me that we don't have seven seven weights going to the Olympics? It does. And so I, I just think about all the ways this Olympics could go down and, and some of these big fights coming up we're talking about. It's just that's what makes it fun, though. Sure. No, I agree with you. You know, it's, it's always about what's next. Who's next? What's next? Where's the surprises? Where's the upsets? How'd this happen? I mean, the, the drama around it is much better. It's like I told you, I went to that camp. I wanted to see some really good wrestling, but I also wanted to see if there was any interaction 
between Burroughs and Dake or uh, Schneider and Cox. And I'll tell you there wasn't. And I think you probably find that interesting. I mean, right, how competitive this gets. We're all eating in the same roof. We're training in the same building. We're sleeping in the same facility. These guys don't even say hello. It's interesting, man. That that drama isn't something that we need to hide from. I think we need to steer into it. I want to find out what the hell happened with Imar here in this weight class. I'll get back to you on that one. Let me know. And I got to think, you know, we've all watched the film Terry, and and that's a great documentary. And they talk about Terry not being allowed to work out with Kendall. I I didn't think that JV and Dick were on that level of hatred, that they're not working out, to your point. Or that Cox and Snyder on that level of competitiveness, that they're not working out. I mean... We're talking Kendall Cross, Terry Brain's level of hatred amongst these two, amongst those four guys. And it's not like I'm the only guy that walked in there wanting to see those workouts. Everyone in there, either fellow wrestlers, everyone was wondering, is Cox and Snyder going to find their way to each other? The answer was no. Yeah, I know. And I mean, the story of the summer almost to me is like, who's not wrestling? I would never would have thought Spencer Lee wouldn't have been in the mix. What do you, I mean, we know he's hurt. And he's probably going to go down as one of the greatest turners ever. Maybe the greatest collegiate wrestler. I hate to say that because Dake won at four weight classes, but definitely one of the best turners ever. I mean, that's a long way though for his next bid four years from now. Sure. And hopefully he goes to the world. You don't know where that ACL is at, but I hopefully he goes to the world. It looked as though he was going to take this big risk showing up to the open, getting those matches in. He is fantastic on top. I mean, a half Nelson and arm bar is, is about as simple as it gets. And the way he can just turn people over. I mean, he looks like uh, he looks like Godzilla with his strength. You know, he doesn't look like, say, a Thomas Seller where you see those muscles, but the way he's getting leverage and turning guys onto their back with a half Nelson. Come on, man. He's doing something. Something's different there. I, I, w- I would love to know what his secret is because I sure can't see it on tape. Someone made this comparison and I thought it was crazy. He looks like Anthony Robles on top. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone said Robles had an unfair advantage, which I think still is insane. But, uh, you know, he's, he's like a 180 pounder, Russell 125. That's what Lee looks like. Not physically, but I agree with you. I heard some other people also trying to take away from Robles. Like, what are you talking? The guy's on one leg in an ass whipping contest, and you're—he's a what? He's got an advantage. Like, what? How dare you say that? Come on! I just interviewed someone today who reminded me that, and I don't think he held that point of view. But I'm like, stop! Whoever thinks that, I want to slap them. They're out of their mind if they think that's an advantage. They're out of their mind. All right, you know what? You've been trying to get rid of me for a while. Now you're kind of dragging things on. I've had it with you until next time. Thank you, buddy. All right, brother. Take care, man. Hey, Ryan. And that's the end of this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. To watch the full video interview, go to YouTube Wrestling Changed My Life. And that's it. We'll see you next time.